0: Listener
1: production. G'day, you are listening to episode 65, part B of the Howie Games featuring Elise Perry. If you haven't listened to part A, stop. Please hit stop right now. Go back, listen to part A first and away you go. Alrighty, on we go. What about when you had to make a couple of storied, famous choices? Yeah. So tell me about, so there was a, was it the 2010 World Cup Cricket? Yep. Was on when the Football Asian Cup was on?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: You chose cricket at that point? Yep. That can't be easy.
0: Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, like that's
1: a political minefield, let alone what you want to do,
0: yeah. telling
1: an organisation that wants you to play for Australia that you're not going to because you're playing for another organisation. Yeah.
0: Organization. yeah um, I think, yeah, I mean, that was because of the incredible support that I got particularly um, at that time from the head coach of the Matildas, Tommy Somani, who's someone that um, I feel very, very indebted to and it will, will probably be one of the dearest people, um, you know, in my life for, for a long time. He was just unbelievable as a human being first and foremost and then as a coach. And so, I mean, he, he made the decision in some ways very easy and some ways very hard because I knew no matter what I decided he'd never hold it against me um it's incredible that, it's an
1: incredible choice to be able to play for australia a cricket world cup or australia asian this is again where you've got to not be modest at least like that's yeah. a it's a, it's amazing um athletic performance to be in that situation Elise. Uh,
0: to have that choice uh yeah i <laughs> i don't know howie honestly um just happens, like yeah. Um, well, it
1: doesn't just happen? <laughs> I don't yeah.
0: like. Not to take away from it, but I don't think it would happen these days, to be honest with you. Because
1: it's a more competitive environment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, do both you think these days full-time. girls would
1: get shuffled in one direction or the other due um, to the professionalism?
0: Maybe, but I think also they just wouldn't be able to keep up, right? Um,
1: because of the training and the
0: yeah, and yep. the level to that things have got to. Like I look at um, the Matildas now, and I'm like. Wow, okay. they're unbelievable. They're athletically so dominant um, and then on top of that their skills and game knowledge and tactical now yep. is just at a whole new level to when I played um, and I think that is down to the fact that they train full-time professional. Um, As
1: is the WBBL. The, the exactly, yeah. Changing that in two or three seasons, yeah. it's like a different sport.
0: Exactly and it's it, the biggest change I think and you'd be able to comment on this is that I actually think it's the domestic players or the 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 oh, the local players that have changed the most like the depth in the sport now is phenomenal
1: and the 16 17 year old girls that come in yeah. now and the power and the skill they have yep. is oh, i think the women's I think women's cricket in 10 years' time is mm. going to be a completely different game to what it is yeah. now, if not in five years' time.
0: Absolutely. I, looking at some of the young girls coming through, we um, this this winter has actually been brilliant. I've been at home and um, we spent a lot of time up in Brisbane and um, as the Australian team, like in camps, but they've also had um, an NPS program, which is like a national performance squad there, and that's basically the, the best and brightest young kids coming through from, you know, 16 onwards. Um and I look at some of the girls in there, um, and they're phenomenal, and they're going to, you know, do all kinds of things that we've never been capable of. You know, that being the current Australian crop, um, hmm. it's yeah, it's it's so exciting. I mean, um, one of them is actually Annabelle Sutherland, who's. James Sutherland's daughter and I don't know if you think of James like he's six foot something and got a really broad fr- frame and Annabelle's heading that way as well you know she's 16 years old or m- maybe even 15 and she's just tall and strong and so capable um, and there's about four or five other girls of her age, of the same ability. Um, wow. So it's so exciting. Yeah. You better keep training. I know, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> we need to cut this short. <laughs> That's why I kept my training gear on. <laughs> it's hard
1: to, It's hard because um, I, I don't like to write things down because I, I like to just talk, but mm. I obviously did a fair bit of reading, but I think I've got it generally right in my head. So that 2010 World Cup. Yep. Was in the West Indies? Yes, yep. So you were playing, was it New Zealand in the final? New
0: Zealand in the final, yeah. Last
1: over, New Zealand need 14 to win. Yeah. The captain throws the ball to Elise Perry.
0: Yeah.
2: So 14 required from six deliveries. The issue for New Zealand is that Sophie Devine is not on strike. It's 29 from 30 deliveries. Hard to, to say, but it's almost a pitch she's left it too late. Such a clean striker of the ball. And to save it till the second to last over, just seems a little too late. But never say never. At least Perry to bowl the last over of the match. <laughs> Tell me about it.
0: Um, yeah, well, we only scored. Uh, we batted first, and maybe only scored just over a hundred. Um, so in the break, it was, and it was a great wicket. It wasn't like there was anything wrong with it. Um, and the men had actually played their final before us on the same ground on the same day and scored one. Fifty one sixty. 160. Um, so we were kind of like, oh, we've massively underclubbed here. And then hmm. um, it just like our whole bowling innings was so solid and really tight. And then we got down to this last over. And I think that the second last over, New Zealand scored about 18 off. So we're actually in a really good position. And then that second last over went for a few. Uh, one of the girls in their team, Sophie Devine, who still plays now and is one of the best. Creators in the world and hits the ball like you should be in the top three or four most powerful hitters um so she was still in and I can't remember who was at the other end but essentially I bowled mostly over to her and um she
1: smacked you a bit early she'd
0: short it like I mean there was two dire stops on the boundary that really won us the game one was Shelly Nitschke and I think the other one was Renee Farrell and they're both like outstretched incredible stops like I think both went up to the third umpire to check that they hadn't touched the rope. They were that close.
2: Goes offside. Through there. That will be four, will it? No, it won't. Yeah, well, it might. I don't know. The third umpire will take a look at that. I think they'll just take the two. So seven required now. from Two deliveries. Got to be a boundary. it has gone out through point. Is it going to go all the way? No. Terrific fielding. Really good fielding. Do they take three? They don't take three. So five required from one delivery. Are we in for a one-over eliminator
0: in the women's final? And then they needed, I think it was five, four or five off the last ball, um, and Sophie was on strike. And fortunately, I, I don't even know if I executed that over, to be honest, Howie, but just kind of like got the ball on the pitch and then she hit it straight back at me. And Hard.
2: Well, it's all come down to this. Last ball. Where does she go? Elise Perry, the pressure. Straight. Oh, Elise Perry, absolutely outstanding. She's put a boot out and stopped it. Soccer skills, not from the soccer roos, but from the Australian women's cricket team. They're all huddling together. Terrific effort. They have defended a total that they wouldn't have been that happy with halfway through the match. But boy, have they defended it with everything they have got. What a terrific performance. From this Australian woman's side.
0: And I stuck my foot out, and thank God it hit my foot. Um, it was going to the
1: boundary otherwise. I think
0: so. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would have been... Or another dive stop, but, yeah, we uh, we got away with it and we won, which was, yeah, like, just... The, that was the first World Cup I'd ever won, and it was just so cool. So we, we
1: see the men... Mm. Celebrate and the way they celebrate victories. How does the Australian women's cricket team celebrate winning a World Cup?
0: Uh, well, that was a unique one actually because we were with the men um, and the and Australian men's team were in the final as well, so we're all staying at the same hotel. So um, we all ended up going out with one another, which was just great. And um, the West Indies is a pretty good place to yes to go out. So yes. um, yeah, we just kind of well, I I don't really remember um, the specifics, but we were just basically at a club all night um, and it was such a cool experience because the men were there too and we got to know them so well, um, you know, across that tour. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just I remember coming home and, like, we called a school bus home in the morning with a whole bunch of West Indian school kids. Sounds camps. like a good night. Yeah, but it wasn't even like that. It was just that we are in this, like, bizarre place where, um, yeah, we were, like, just kind of been up celebrating all night and, um and then his bus went past, and I think it was Michael Clark at the time. Stuck his hand out, and <laughs> the bus driver was, like, of course, going to stop for Michael Clark. <laughs> and he was like, "Mate, can you drop us at the Hilton on your way on your way to school?" And he was, like, "Okay, no worries, man. <laughs> nice, yeah, accent, too. Yeah, yeah oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which island
1: was the final one? Uh, Barbados. Oh, Barbados, yeah. magnificent. So, yeah. uh, at least Para that can bowl and play soccer when she's in the nightclub. Are mm. you as handy at all those things uh, you are on the dance floor? No, I'm. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, really? No, good. I am so
0: musically challenged. It's not funny, Howie. Um, cannot sing and cannot dance. Right. And And um, singing particularly, like, when people hear me try and sing, like, I get sideways glances, like... What, d- mean, National like, Anthem style? Uh, yeah, well, look, fortunately, I think National Anthem, you can get away with it because people are a bit more focused on other things, <laughs> but... Oh, my gosh, like if I try and like bust out a tune when it's on the car radio or something, everyone is like, huh, <laughs> don't do that, do not do that, <laughs> which is fair enough. Um, and, and as a dancer, similar? As a dancer, pretty, pretty terrible, but I think I just own that and just right. look silly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's not great, especially when like most of the people around me and my family are pretty good dancers. Right. Um, my sister-in-law like was a professional dancer um, and... Yeah, everyone has got a lot more rhythm than me, but anyway.
1: And for those that have been to the Caribbean, they're not short on some ability on the dance floor oh, as well.
0: heck no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the year after that, 2011, we talked about the Cricket World Cup, um, the Football World Cup. Yeah. What's it like playing for Australia in the World Cup?
0: Yeah, that was um, – well, the World Cup was in Germany as well, so like football f- fanatical country. Um, and, yeah, we I, that was – so, yeah, 2011 um, – and I'd never really played in front of cr- big crowds as a as an athlete because it probably wasn't all that in vogue then. And we were getting 30-odd thousand games um, at stadiums in, in does Germany. Does it change your performance? I think so. I, I really do think it does. Um, the feeling is so different. Um, even when you're warming up, like, it's just this incredible um, sensation where you're just, like, so alert and so aware of your own... Um, ability, I guess, like, and, and you just feel like alive um, and really energetic. So yeah, I think it, it's totally different. Um, so that was just brilliant. Um, and the tournament itself was just, yeah, um, it was awesome. I loved it. Sweden? <laughs> yeah, I played Sweden in the quarterfinal. Lost 3-1 from memory. Tell about um, the one. <laughs> my shot cross. This is, again, where you have to not be
1: modest. Don't be cornered at a shot cross. So if people <laughs> haven't, I'll hopefully get some commentary right now, but if people haven't <laughs> seen it, type in Elise Perry Sweden goal and let your jaw drop. This is like Tim Carr versus the Netherlands type stuff. Um, that wasn't a tap-in? No. Short corner, so it was pre-planned?
0: Um, not pre-planned, but I was an option, um, and they didn't pick me up. So, um,
1: Outside the box?
0: Yeah, Colette McCullum passed it for, to me from the short corner She's Scottish originally, um, based over in Perth And one of the best left foot kickers I've ever seen, especially dead ball um, So I thought for sure she'd just curl it in um, from the corner But yeah, she played it to me um, And then like they kind of were slow to react, so I was like kind Of looked up and was like, Oh, no one's here. I'll just kick it. <laughs> I'll just kick it <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, um, fortunately, that kick came off.
1: Short it is, Perry
2: with a shot. Brilliant goal! What a moment for Elisa Perry! The failure are alive and well in this game. Extraordinary, a set piece that really works out well. And the left foot of Elisa Ferret dispatches it beyond the groping fingers of Lindahl into Sweden's next. It's now
0: Sweden 2, Australia 1. I reckon I miss, and I'm not just making this up to be um, modest. 40 of them in training the day before really? <laughs> like at least so it was the crowd <laughs> so it, was the, it was the crowd and probably a law of averages or probability that at some point one of them's got to go in so um, yeah it was it was it was nice but I must admit like I we lost that game and I probably made two defensive errors that led to goals so I'm down 2-1 but anyway.
1: In the back corner up the other end when yeah. someone got round you and put yeah. the cross in. But we won't talk about that. We don't yeah. have to talk but about that. But you remember
0: it, don't you? Well, I,
1: just because I was looking at the clip last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what's it like scoring for your country in a World uh, Cup?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just, uh, I guess because we lost. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like I, sometimes I think about these things, I'm like, why did that happen to me? Um, <laughs> because... Yeah, it was just like, especially in that game where I I probably didn't play that great. Like, I think I went off after 50 minutes or 60 minutes in the game, but for whatever reason, that kind of fell in place and um, it makes for a good highlight reel, but, um, but yeah, you're, it's you're,
1: a bit, bittersweet. you're dwelling on the defensive mistake. Are you a yeah. hard judge of your performances?
0: Um, can be, yeah. Like, um, yeah, I, I think when it's stuff that you – you yeah, know like you can control and you've like just done poorly yeah definitely um, if it's like lost the game because the other team is just better then I'm okay yeah
1: we could spend all day running <laughs> through your highlights and it'd take us too long so I just want to ask you one more specific yeah um, you made it 200 in an Ashes <laughs> test Yeah. um Celebrated early, that 200.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I'm not that modest. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest celebration on for ice. 198 I've
1: ever seen, um, for those that aren't aware. What, 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 what happened?
0: Classic. You know how we were talking about how um, I used to always get asked about cricket or soccer? Yeah. This question has replaced has it the cricket and soccer question. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought I hit it for six. Howie basically is the the story of to it to bring up the two hundred. Yeah, so I was on one hundred and ninety four. We were nine wickets down. Um, it was a like, uh, right uh, right arm off spinner on on, and I to hit to mid wicket. To mid wicket was like a really short boundary, so I was like oh. And we'd had a few dicey minutes before that with um, Megan Schutt, who was number eleven, kind of like. She can mm-hmm. she can bat, but <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. She well she's definitely a better bowler. But um anyway, and I was like oh I'll just have a crack. And she the um, Laura Marshall's the spinner. She tossed it up and I came down. And I like I felt like I hit it pretty well. Like I was like no that's come out of the middle. And it was dark, so it was day night test and it was quite dark. And there's like some dark pockets in North Sydney Oval. And so I didn't I kind of lost sight of the ball. And then the next thing is that I heard the crowd really cheer. So I was like, well, if they're cheering like that, it's got to be six. (laughs) So I've just gone with it. Like, took my gear off, my helmet's coming off, (laughs) kissed the coat of arms, (laughs) all those cringy, like, (laughs) celebratory things that you do when you think you're great. Short boundary over there. And that's exactly where she goes. Is it enough?
1: Yes, it is. (laughs) Elise Perry brings up her
0: 200. And she hit Qantas. Look at that. What an innings. What a player. And that's incredible. Then the wicketkeeper for England, Sarah Taylor, has literally tapped me on the shoulder and has been like, hey, um, maybe just call your jets because they're checking that that went for six. (laughs) And I don't think it did. Did it actually go all the way? Have you celebrated a little bit earlier? So we are going to double check, and everyone's oh, going to no. look. Oh. It's four! It's four! She celebrated! Can you believe it? Put your helmet back on, Elise Perry. The crowd is booing. Oh dear. So Elise Perry on 198. And uh, like in my head, I, was, well, I actually might have even said out loud to I was like though that would be right I do this kind of stuff all the time
1: <laughs> <laughs> so then the umpire said no sorry yeah
0: it's four right. yeah like they toot and froed on the thing and they must have showed a replay because all the crowd was like oh my god and kind of thought it was quite funny and then the umpire signaled four and so I was just like I need to put my helmet back on really quickly and <laughs> just take my stance and pretend that that didn't happen because this is humiliating but um yeah, anyway.
1: And then brought That's up a second funny. time. So you celebrated the first Australian woman to make 200 in Test cricket twice. twice. For 200, I think you should. Driven down. She's taken off. And she's done it. She's done it for a second time. Is she going to celebrate
0: just as much as the first time? No. She just puts the bat up and relief for Elise Perry. And I said it the first time and I will say it the second time, what an in what a play out. And what a moment for this North Sydney crowd. It's been
1: an absolutely brilliant innings from Elise Perry. You made a a, a comment to me that um, summarized you perfectly, which goes back to the start of this conversation in your in your press conference afterwards they were asking you about the day and you said that the thing that was the highlight for you was the crowd there and the amount of kids lining up for autographs. So yeah. you weren't talking about your individual performance, you were talking about the effect that the game was having.
0: Oh that that game as a whole was just like phenomenal um and it was obviously really nice to be able to spend the time that I did out in the middle and and have the involvement that I had in the game but by far and away um yeah that was the first time in Australia that we'd had a crowd like that um and the occasion of it was just like there was an atmosphere all day it was like it was humming um from start to finish um there was lots of kids there loving it and enjoying it but there's also just cricket fans like young and old um male and female and it was just like this general celebration of of the sport and I think all of us felt like you know entertainers that day and it was so so cool um and yeah like that was just I, I think all of us were on a buzz from that for and probably still are since that day um and yeah for it to be a test match as well because traditionally I think um yeah, female cricket has all been short-form cricket. And Which is a shame. Yeah, it is. Um, and it was sort of almost like with that match, it's like an Ashes match, um, day-night test match, first ever female one. It was like, hey, and people like it. So it was kind of like, wow, like, yeah, we might be able to do more of this because... Yeah, everyone's really enjoyed it, and it's actually become an occasion. Build um, it,
1: and they will come. The old Kevin yeah, Costner line from Field of Dreams. Yeah,
0: a little bit. Yeah, yeah so, absolutely. That was such, yeah, such a thrill. It was so cool, and it's kind of been repeated this year. I mean, we just played this T20 series against New Zealand. The first game was at North Sydney. Same thing. Like lots of people came down. Amazing atmosphere. It's a great ground for cricket because it's small and it's it's very picturesque. Um, And it just, like, the wicket's amazing. You always, like, score a lot of runs there. The outfield's fast. Um, So it's just a really entertaining place to go and watch. So, yeah, it was really, really awesome.
1: More of Elise in a moment. Last episode of the Howie Games featured Ian Thorpe, a man that has done so much for his country, both in and out of the pool.
2: I turned 18 on a plane um, on the way to New York. It was the first time that it was going to be printed in a newspaper that I'm rumored to be gay. Um, So for me, I went through this whole struggle around my sexuality um, and being gay because I was being accused. And so if you use like being accused of being gay, it's in a negative tone already. So I always thought of it as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And then as I kind of came uh, to my position when I decided, yep, I'm going to come out, I was, I was a little bit frightened of what the response would be, but the response from Australia was amazing.
1: That's Thorpey on episode 64. All righty, back to Elise. When LeBron went from... Um, where did he go? From Cleveland to Miami, and they made a one-hour show called The Decision, and he said, oh, I think <laughs> I'm taking my talents to South Beach or something like that, he said. The answer to the question everybody wants to know. LeBron, what's your decision? Um. And this fall, man, this is, this is very tough. Um, and this fall, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and um, join the Miami Heat. When did you finally have to decide between your two loves? <laughs> um, They didn't make an hour yeah. TV show out of No, right, they didn't, and
0: I didn't have to come out with a line like that. <laughs> it's a good line. <laughs> I'm going to take my talents. Yeah, I'm not sure I can say that. No, no,
1: to, that's not you. I'm not sure you're pulling that off. Uh,
0: I'm not sure, yeah, anyone but LeBron can say that. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't really ever have to decide, Howie. Um, sounds weird, but it kind of just happened. Like, right. it just petered out, really. Um, I had um, not played for the Matildas for a while and then got selected for the Matildas and wasn't available because of another cricket commitment and that and at that point, um, cricket was quite a fair bit further ahead than than soccer in terms of um paying players and like full time programs and um you know, I, I felt like, well, if cricket's going to invest this in their female players, I can't then just be like a bit picky and choosy as to when I'm a part of it. Um and I saw something really special happening there. Um, And then, yeah, I I think the more it kind of kept happening where it went from not being available to go to Matilda's camps to like not being able to play a lot for Sydney FC and the W League and then um, it just kind of becoming like, well, if I'm not really doing it properly, what's the point, I guess? And I think probably from a soccer perspective, they saw that as the same thing because like diminishing kind of return on, giving me an opportunity versus what I was actually giving back to them was pretty low. Um, And then it kind of got down to a conversation where we had a huge cricket schedule coming up and the WBBL had just started. And um, I spoke to her, I had a performance at cricket, and he's like, well, don't really want you to play anymore. And I was like, yeah, maybe I need to hear that because um, Mm. then it kind of takes the decision out of my hands a bit um, and whatever I was holding on to is kind of gone. And then, um, I think I, I sort of had that conversation with soccer and it wasn't like, they were like, no, no, like keep playing. They were sort of like, yeah, no, makes sense. Um, and then, so it just peed it out really. Um, Did you have
1: any, what was your emotion?
0: Um, it was pretty neutral actually. Like I, I do genuinely think I've had the most amazing ride and, Um, like was very aware even from the start when I was 16 that at some day that was all going to end and so I I wasn't like I was like all of a sudden just in this state of shock where I was like oh I can't believe I can't play soccer anymore I'm not playing soccer anymore I was kind of like okay that's kind of done so the next thing is for me to be as good a cricketer as I possibly can be and I suppose now I I can be because I'm going to do it full-time and I'm going to put all my energy and effort into it um so I guess I just moved on pretty quick. It sounds a bit ruthless, but um, from an actual sports perspective, I was fine. I definitely missed it, um, and I missed the people at soccer and the training, as I said before. But um, actually not being able to do it anymore, I was like, okay, well, I've had my go. Like, it was great, and I was very lucky. So.
1: And you scored that ripping goal in the World Cup. <laughs> a couple of random questions for you that have no linking at all. Um, did you forget in the last game versus New Zealand, to wear zinc on your nose or was that a conscious decision? Because every time I see you play cricket, you've got zinc on your nose and you didn't the other day.
0: Yeah, or at North Sydney in the first game. Right. It was conscious. Conscious. It was. you're a bit like very the, perceptive of you. Well, it's a
1: bit like the Andrew Simons. didn't matter if it was a day night yeah. or he would walk
0: out there and you were the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really funny you asked that because there's a little bit of deliberateness behind it. Um, same reason that I cut my hair. What did I cut my hair? uh straight last year or the year before um I'm pretty good at getting into a habit and into routine and doing things precisely all the time and sometimes I feel like if you want to keep evolving and getting better like little significant things like that significant to me not to anyone else I think you would be the only one in the world that's noticed that are a bit of a circuit breaker a bit of a like push to keep evolving um so, yeah, that's why I didn't wear zinc because I was like, it's actually ridiculous that I would wear zinc under lights. So were you doing
1: <laughs> it, was it a superstition reason you I were guess doing so, it? yeah. Right. Like, so yeah what, to a degree. What was it like to go out without it?
0: It was fine. Right. Once I make a decision on that stuff, it's fine, but sometimes it just takes some convincing. Um, also, which is just, like, ridiculous, but the, my favourite manufacturer of white zinc cannot find it on the shelf anymore. Oh, no. And I used that tube completely up, my last tube of it in India earlier this year in March. And so right. I was like, well, if there was ever a good time to get rid of the night zinc habit, it's right now. Um, there you go. Yeah.
1: Second <laughs> random question. <laughs> if one of your cricket teams is in a bus, yep. a bus, and parking is tight, <laughs> someone told me this. Yep. They go to E. Perry.
0: This, Howie, is the one thing I'm not modest about. Right. <laughs> oh, finally.
1: Oh, what are you? We're well, four minutes in. We've talked about scoring a goal versus Sweden at 200. And finally, you're going to speak your mind LeBron style.
0: I love parking cars. <laughs> love it. Right. Like, and the crappier car, the better. And what I mean by that is I get so annoyed when you're parking a car now there's cameras and like lines on the screen and beeping noises and and you don't need it well I mean I've I must admit like I've kind of fallen into using them because (laughs) that's often the cars that um we have on tour but the like and also manual if it's manual and you've got a reverse park with no cameras no beeps nothing like I'm your girl
1: Right. So that's, that's
0: confirmed. All right. Another
1: person told me a story that I actually can't believe, but although you've told me how much of a tomboy you are, so yeah. I'm starting to think it's true. Um, you're married now. Congratulations. Thank you. A very fellow much. by the name of Matt, who I don't know. We don't need to. Oh, where did you meet Matt? Uh,
0: <laughs> Qantas Club. Qantas Club. Yeah.
1: Qantas Club. Great spot for a romance.
0: Yeah, apparently. Um, (laughs) Although I must admit, he kind of ran out pretty quick because his flight was on final call. Oh, right.
1: Did he come up and say good day or did you go over and say good day? He's a a rugby player.
0: He's a rugby player. Long story short, I won't bore you with the details, but um, I was going down to Melbourne on a cricket trip and was wearing my cricket uniform and he was going to the top end on a rugby trip wearing his rugby uniform. But I'd actually, and he, he was playing in Canberra at the time. And I actually had been playing soccer in Canberra and him and a few of his mates had been going along to our matches and had sort of recognised me from that and was like came to say hi and like I love the team and then had to kind of go um and then I think he just felt bad about like being so brief so he sent me a message later on and I guess as they say the rest is history lovely yeah so
1: the natural conclusion to that story is tell me about your wedding day because I actually can't <laughs> believe this is true.
0: Oh, yeah. Um.
1: <laughs> but by the way you're laughing, I think you're going to confirm. Yeah,
0: um, we got married. I also played cricket on the same day that we marri- <laughs> We got married. <laughs>
1: Come on. I think some days you've got to have a spell. So you played cricket?
0: Yeah, we played a WBBL game um, in the first year of Big Bash yep. for, um WBBL. At the SCG in the morning, we played against the Perth Scorchers I play for the Sydney Sixers and we had lost six on the trot. Like, we were dead and buried in the water, had not won a game f- the entire season. Um, and then, for whatever reason, um, we won that day. and It was the first game of nine in a row that we won to make the final. Right. Um, but I also got married on that day, so it was a far better day for that reason. Um, so what time did you finish but, playing cricket? Uh, maybe about two. Did your teammates know? No. I told them at the end of the game because I couldn't hang around. <laughs> because I've got to go and get married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is a, a fairly decent backstory to this that makes me sound far less crazy or makes us sound far less crazy. Go on then. Okay, well, um, so Matt had taken up a contract to go and play um, over in England and one of the big things that we wanted to do before he left because it, was, it spent a fair bit of time apart is was to get married. We'd been engaged for two years and um, we looked at all kinds of options around our schedules um, in terms of, Actually finding a day and booking a place, and pretty much everything that we tried had fallen over for one reason or another. Um, And we'd in advance planned that on the twentieth of December we were going to have all of our family around for a Christmas celebration because we'd actually booked like a short trip overseas um, across Christmas. So we're like, we'll get all our family down before that. Matt's family's in Brisbane, mine are in Sydney, so they all came down. We're like, well, I've got a game on that day too, so like they like coming to the cricket so they can come along to that and then we'll go out after that and then all this stuff around planning our wedding it was going going um <laughs> going <laughs> not so great and um we were running out of time because he was leaving a few months and then we were just sitting around at this table actually um one night and we're like what if we did a surprise wedding I mean We really want our family there. That's what matters the most. Um, They're all going to be here on the 20th. It's also my dad's birthday on the 20th. Um, Why don't we, like, just do something... I love it. ...and surprise them? Um, And neither of us are particularly, like, um, I guess, uh, flamboyant with that kind of stuff, so we wanted it to be pretty low-key. And... Yeah. So we just started looking into options and we're like, oh, what about like Palm Beach, Sydney? Um, There's a few spots on there. Lots of people get married there. Um, Maybe we can see if that's available. And then sort of looked at some wedding hire stuff and just all like each step we went along on this, like planning our marriage, we're like, no, we're going to get like, it's going to get stopped by a roadblock somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And then like each step we took it just kept happening and we're like oh my gosh and we got to this point where we're like we actually can't back out now (laughs) like we're doing this (laughs) (laughs) so like even the fact that I found a, a wedding dress which was made and tailored for me in I think it was seven days and the incredible lady that did it for me, her name's Moira Hughes, and I don't mind plugging her because she it was unbelievable. She has like an eight month time frame normally on a dress, and she did it for me in seven days. and I was just like, Oh my gosh! Like
1: Moira Hughes, Moira Hughes. well done, Moira. Yeah, exactly. I was always concerned you going to say you got married in your six tracksuit for a while. I
0: <laughs> was a dumb boy, but not that bad. So, so you
1: you left the ground.
0: Uh, well, I actually stayed, so we played at the SCG. I stayed at the SCG, but went up to the Cricket New South Wales offices and got my hair and makeup done there.
1: At the SCG? At
0: the SCG. How apt. <laughs> um, and then got drove home quickly. And so uh, basically what we'd done, um, let me know if I'm boring you, but no, we got our family to all come round to our house to meet us there for what they thought was going to be Christmas lunch. And um, when they got there, neither Matt or I were here and Matt sort of called my auntie and was like hey can you I've just left the menu for today I'm on my way home the menu for today is in the study drawer can you just go and open it and hand it out to everyone and so my auntie went in and pulled these what she thought were menus out, but they're actually wedding invitations. Ah, yeah, nice. so they were all like standing around the house like, oh, my gosh. So a bus came and picked them all up, um, but my mum stayed back, so when I got home, she helped me get dressed, and then we went out after that. You so.
1: didn't have to park the bus?
0: No, unfortunately. I mean, it would have been great. <laughs> I would have taken that challenge on, parking a bus in a wedding dress, <laughs> but, but I didn't get a chance.
1: <laughs> um, moving forward, how long does this last for you? Do you have any idea? Do you see yourself playing cricket still as a 40-year-old or...? <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> um, like it's going like, to... Yeah.
1: The reason I ask, because it's going to be hard to give up because it's been such a big part of your life.
0: Mm. You know, I, I think it's going to be harder now um, as well because it's evolved so much. Like, I we sort of chat about this a bit amongst the team. It's almost like this whole second career all of a sudden yeah. with the way that the landscape's changed. Um, so it's like all these things that we never had in the past are like coming now that, and you can't get enough of them. Like you, like everything's just a surprise at the moment in terms of the crowds that turn up or the, you know, the new opportunities to get, that we get to go and do something or, um, yeah, what's asked of you as an athlete. You're like, oh, wow, like this is incredible. Um So that's kind of been really addictive in the last couple of years. Um, And then I think add to that, um, you know, I used to be adamant that once I had kids, I'd never come back and play. Like I just was not interested in it. But it's like my thoughts on that have changed so much because of the way that the game's changed as well and the landscape uh, amongst it. So I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I'm just kind of going along with it.
1: Of everything we've discussed that, Is remarkable. I've always thought to myself in the last years the most remarkable thing about your sporting story, Elise, is the fact that you've played soccer, you've been a cricketer, you came in as a bowler, and in the last three years, like you went on a run of 1750s in 2350-over matches. It hadn't been done before in international cricket, men's or women. You became the best batswoman in the world, yet you came into the team as a bowler or as an all-rounder. But that's the most remarkable thing to me. Were you a batter starved of opportunity or did you just get that much better? <clears throat>
0: um I've always loved batting. Um and I was probably better at it as a kid, like and even like oh, since I can remember, I've always spent more time on my batting than my bowling. Okay. Um Yeah, but I think bowling was just like the opportunity I got to get into the team. Um and I was sort of lucky; out had a decent growth spurt towards the end of high school and could probably bowl quicker than, you know, the average player. So um, that was kind of my in, which was great. And so I was really adamant on doing well with that. But, um, yeah, I just never forgot about batting. Like, I think it's just always stuck with me. And um, it, do you know what? Probably because it's something that my dad and I share so closely that it was never hard to keep working on it, even though... I might not have been getting opportunity because it's part of the way that my dad and I spend time together um, and I just really love it as well. Um, I love hitting balls. I get paid out so much by all the girls on the team about how many balls I hit and how many optional trainings that I go to. But um, I think it just slowly but surely evolved and um, the way, like, I think we sort of had a few players retirement retire, sorry, or um, girls move on from the team. And I just kind of kept creeping up. And, yeah, all of a sudden I was batting at four. And, yeah, I just wanted to make the most of it, I guess. And you but. did.
1: 1750s in 23 games. That's remarkable.
0: <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know how that happened, to be honest, but... Um, I like spending time at the crease. I think, um, you know, some of those innings were probably a bit slow. Like, um, and they were really, having said that, they were really important in terms of helping me to develop because I hadn't batted a lot at that that level. Like, I batted a lot in the nets, and but my game kind of sense was a bit out because I'd never really done it that much. So, um, it, yeah, I think having the chance to spend that much time out in the middle has really helped and hopefully I'm a bit quicker these days. But oh, I, I think, yeah, you, we'll, we'll you, see you, how we you, go.
1: we have got the difficult one now because this is the most difficult question you'll be asked all day. Yeah. Um, I, I need an answer though. I don't want you to hedge <laughs> around this one. I don't want you to do your old answer you used to do when you were saying uh, which my sport you are going to play. Politician's answer. Nah, this is from my eight-year-old who's okay. quite taken by you. Um this guy who operates as the pickle. Good luck with this one.
0: Okay. Hi Elise Pickle here. I reckon you're awesome at everything. A tricky question for you. Would you rather kick the winning goal in a World Cup soccer final or hit a six off the last ball to win a World Cup cricket final? <laughs> Good luck, Elise Perry. Oh my gosh, that's hard edge journalism. And it's but best. we need
1: an answer. See, I've asked you these fluffy ones for an hour yeah. and 15 minutes. She's cutting to the chase.
0: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> well, I guess immediately my mind goes to cricket because I'm like, that's what I'm actually doing. But having said that, I'm actually going to say kick a goal because for Australia to win a World Cup final would be the, like, yeah, wow. I mean, that we haven't even got close, have we? Um. So that would be pretty amazing. Yeah.
1: it's a good answer. I'll tell yeah. Pickle, that. Well,
0: yeah, And you've won that, three
1: Cricket World Cups. Go on.
0: I think the Matildas could win the World Cup next year. Of course they could. Yeah. Well, like, they, genuinely could.
1: Well, the try and four series against Japan and, and America that they're having in the States and with Sam Kerr up there.
0: Yeah. So it might not be me, Pickle, but I wouldn't mind betting at Sam Kerr next year.
1: Well, she'd be just happy to see it happen, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, When you look back and reflect on it all, we are lucky enough, Pez, we normally finish this in a way of um, we have so many kids listening to the show, which is really, really cool, on their way to all sorts of training. What do you think the key to success is? It's a broad question which Mm -hmm. you could take four hours to answer, but distill it down for me.
0: Um, I really do live by the motto that perfect practice makes perfect. Um, It's a little bit unglamorous and I think um, it's maybe not all that fun sometimes, but if you're really determined on achieving something, the best time to get better is when you don't want to or when it's hard to um, because that's when you learn the most and that's when I think you become a much better player in person sometimes because you learn a lot about yourself in those moments too. So that's probably my one. Um, You've got to love what you do and have fun. That's an easy one. Um, But on top of that... I would guess, um, you know, and he's probably a a huge hero of mine, Roger Federer has probably hit more tennis balls and done more things for, you know, his athletic development and his body and his longevity than anyone else in the tennis world has ever done, and that's why he's the best player in the world. Same as LeBron James, like there's stories about him and what he spends on Mm. having, you know, trainers and chefs and sure he can do that, he's in that position but there's a reason why he's so good and I think it's because he's devoted so much of his time and energy and passion to it so yeah, I think that that would be my biggest thing.
1: It's a, it's amazing the the joy I get in the fortunate position I'm in to do this podcast, the amount of athletes that say it comes down to hard work, like the amount of people that say that is a lesson for everyone. Have you ever had a difficult time in your career or life? You seem a very <laughs> happy-go-lucky character
0: Um Oh. None more so than anyone else, I don't think. Right. Um or probably a lot less than anyone else. Um Yeah, I don't I don't think so really. I've been very, 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 very def- fortunate.
1: How do you deal with defeat and losing? Um, or poor performance. Just look at the next
0: thing. Right. I mean that's the that's the awesome thing about sport. By and large, there's always another time. It might not be the same moment, it might not be the moment that you wanted it to be, but there's always gonna be something down the track. Um so just keep moving forward, really.
1: You are a star. What was it like not being modest the whole way through and talking about yourself?
0: Well, I love talking about my parking. <laughs> 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 we're going to get a bus and we're going to get <laughs> to the front of your place. I'm going to send you some videos. <laughs> some high-reels, super cuts of all the parks that I've ever done.
1: <laughs> hey, thank you so much for joining thank me you. on the Howie Games. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, oh, Elyse. It was my
0: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Ta. What an absolute, absolute superstar. Thanks to Elise. Well, thanks to Elise for being Elise and for being so generous with her time. This episode was actually put together by a shining young star at Podcast One, Darcy Thompson. Darcy filled the breach while old mate MJ was away working at the Super Bowl. MJ has also promised to line up LeBron James for the Howie Games while he's in the States. Let's hope he doesn't do a Lewis Hamilton style. Anyway, until Thursday, February 14, when Bash brother Chris Lynn is our guest, peace and love.
0: And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.